Welcome to Trib Talk. I'm Jennifer Napier Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. A statement released this week by the LDS Church reiterates what it said before. Women are not welcome to attend in person its upcoming all-male general priesthood meeting. The statement comes in response to a request from a group called Ordain Women, which is pushing for women priesthood ordination. And today on the program we're talking about the request the response and how Mormon feminists are navigating current church doctrine and culture. Joining me on the Google Hangout today is Kate Kelly. She's founder of the group Ordained Women. Uh, she served an LDS mission to Barcelona. She graduated from BYU and she now works as an international human rights attorney and she's joining us from her office. Is it in Virginia, Kate? Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Kate, welcome. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Also with us, Julie M. Smith. She's a blogger on the website Times and Seasons. She has a master's degree in biblical studies from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley and is author of the book Search, Ponder, and Pray. And she's joining us from her home in Austin, Texas. And Julie, great to have you as well. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. Finally, we have Nyland McMain. She's a writer and the editor of the Mormon Women Project. It's an online archive of interviews with Mormon women. She's also a brand strategist with Bonneville Communications, which was behind the I'm a Mormon campaign. And she's joining us right here in the newsroom in Salt Lake City. Nyland, great to have you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And you can join us as well. How are you thinking about women and the priesthood in the Mormon church or other faith traditions? What do you think about the church response to the ticket request to the priesthood session? You can send your thoughts to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can put them in the comments section right here at sltrib.com or you can text us and that number is 801-609-8059. Before we get to the church statement and what happened this week, um, I'm curious, Kay Kelly, for you to expand on the reasons why you think it's time that women in the LDS church um, have the ability to hold the priesthood. Well, I founded Ordained Women with a very clear goal in mind, and that was uh, to improve the situ situation of women in the church and to achieve fundamental equality. And a lot of steps have been made recently in the church to make it a more inclusive place, to reach out to women, to include women, to show pictures of women, and all of those are excellent steps and necessary. Uh, however, I don't feel that uh, putting up a portrait of women in the conference center or allowing them to say a prayer at the general conference center is sufficient. Women want to, you know, women I know uh, and, you know, a larger and larger group want to participate in ordinances. We want to not only be consulted about decisions, but we want to be part of the decision-making process. We want to bless the lives of others, and we want to be transformed by what we know is the power of God. So, so it's more than just gender equality and a seat at the table. It's, it's about receiving a particular spiritual gift that you think women don't have access to right now. Yeah, I mean, we believe in the priesthood and we believe it's the power of God. Otherwise, none of this would be worth it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, when I talk to my, 
my father or my husband or other men who have the priesthood, it's not only a way, you know, in which you get additional responsibilities or callings, but it is truly the power of God to act in his name on earth. And so it's interesting because in the Mormon church, the priesthood is... Uh, is sort of coupled. It's it's two things. It's both the um, you know the leadership of the church is tied to the priesthood, um, but so is the ability to officiate in ordinances, to um, really dig in. And you know this what became clear to me when I served a mission. I served a mission in Barcelona, Spain, and the sister missionaries were able to do teaching and proselyting and reaching out to converts and and getting them prepared for baptism, but when it came to doing the actual baptizing, um, the confirmation, you know, all of those um, those essential ordinances, uh, women weren't uh, permitted to participate on any level uh, in that part of the process, and that was really, that was hard. That was, that was a big sting for me as a sister missionary because I loved these people, because I found them and I taught them and uh, we had such a relationship that it was very, very difficult for me. So that's when I started thinking about um, women in the priesthood. Mm. Nyland, where do you come down on the ordination issue? Well, I think it's important to start by emphasizing what I personally have in common with Kate, which is that there are many things that we could be and should be doing in the church to increase the way we see, hear, and use women in our local administration and in the, in the general administration. I think where we diverge is um, identifying the root cause of that problem. For me personally, um, I, I don't believe that the doctrine of the priesthood is the root cause of that. Um, I, I think we have the most revolutionary gender doctrine of any Western denomination that I know of, and yet that has still not inoculated us from uh, gender tensions in our practices and in our culture. And for me, I don't believe that the addition of ordination to women would all of a sudden, you know, level the playing field. I think we would be, um, we would, we would not be taking advantage of the opportunities and the power that women already have access to, uh, which allow us the equal privilege, the equal opportunity, the equal worth in the eyes of God. Um, and I don't think that the, the problems that we experience in local administrative government would be solved overnight if this element were added to our doctrine. I think, you know, we're, what, what, what I believe ordained women, you know, what I see uh, in, in what Kate and her group are doing are trying to target some of these same administrative practices that I would like to see reformed. But I think the approach and the way we are going towards that is so crucial, and that's where I diverge with her. Mm -hmm. Julie, how about you? My answer is similar to that. I think that Kate is right to point out, and I agree with her on a lot of issues, that we could be doing more in terms of women's advancement and recognition in the church. At the same time, I think the methods that ordain women uses are alienating to a lot of people. I think they provoke a backlash, and I think they're fundamentally foreign to Mormonism, and so I think it's causing more problems than helping at this point. Hmm. Uh, Kate, what do you? Th I mean, is it uh, is it the tactics? Is it uh, your forthrightness? Do you think that you are taking the right approach when uh, bringing up the topic of women's ordination? Well, I do think I'm taking the right approach. Um, I understand that that you know people can disagree, and I honestly think uh, I have a lot in common with both of the other people. Um, on this chat right now. I think uh, Nyland is, is totally right that 
just simply ordaining, you know, if, if the prophet were to come out in this coming general conference, October, or sorry, April 5th, uh, and say that women were to be ordained, I don't think that would solve uh, the problem of gender inequality in the church, and I don't think that would completely, it's not a panacea, um, and so we really, really agree on that point. Um, but I think that these other incremental changes um, just, you know, like I said in the New York Times, it just, it, the incremental, uh, you know, concessions, that any amount of inter incremental concessions that the church can make won't change the fundamental dynamic that women can't be leaders, women can't preside over any meeting, women can't preside over any gathering, women cannot preside in our church, and uh, women cannot uh, serve in the higher uh, leadership possessions of the church. Women are called auxiliaries uh, for a very specific reason. There are no women general authorities in the church, and that's because the women, the word authority is not associated with women. Uh, and so I think that that fundamental uh, division, strictly divided on gender lines, uh, needs to change. Speaking with Kate Kelly with Ordain Women, also with us marketer and writer Nylan McBain and blogger and author Julie Smith. We're talking about women in the priesthood in the Mormon tradition and you're welcome to join us with your comments and questions to the hashtag TribTalk on Twitter and Google+. You can text us and that number is 801-609-8059 or you can comment right here at sltrib.com. I want to get to the church statement and I should say that uh, we did invite the LDS Church to be part of this conversation. They declined our invitation. Um, the statement reads, uh, ordination of women to the priesthood is a matter of doctrine that is contrary to the Lord's revealed organization of the church um, and that a large majority of Mormon women um, do not share ordained women's advocacy for priesthood ordination. Um, let's stop there. Kate Kelly, your, your thoughts on, on that part of the statement. Uh, are you detracting, detracting in some way from helpful discourse? Well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that the church is uh, involved in a discourse with women. Uh, we're not involved in that discourse. They haven't responded to our request for meetings. Um, and so that's really heartening to hear. Uh, I'm obviously disappointed that our request for tickets to the priesthood meeting were denied. Um, but, you know, I just honestly, I don't think anyone knows how many women support ordination. And also that, that doesn't include the women who have left the church over the issue of gender inequality. Um, that's something Nylon has written about. Um, and that also doesn't include women who would join the church but for gender inequality. So there's a much larger group that we're talking about here. Um, and I think that number is certainly growing. I don't think anyone would deny that. Um, the conversation has opened in a brand new way because of what we're doing, because of the, the courage and um, just capacity for hope that so many of these women who have joined Ordained Women. I mean, I encourage anyone who has questions about what we're doing to go to the site, to look at the profiles. You, if you look at ordainedwomen.org, at the bare minimum, you will see sincere, faithful, loving Mormon men and women who have these views and that number that number is growing. Uh, Nylan, you're in marketing. Uh, did, did the church statement come off the way it should have come off? Well, I think what's important about the church's letter is just as much what's not in it than what is in it. And what is not in it is any sort of 
request that Kate or the women listed on the letter or ordained women in, in general not a, a request that they stop thinking, speaking, um, publishing, writing about their thoughts on this issue. The request was very specific. It was please do not uh, use general conference as a semi-annual bully pulpit to detract from the communal worship ritual which is the closest that we get really as a people to a global commu community worship ritual. Um, and I think it's important to emphasize that people do come to General Conference to participate in that communal ritual and to participate in that uh, sense of peace that does exist on Temple Square during that weekend and a sense of unity. And so I think that, that you know, there, there cannot be at this point, I don't think, Kate, maybe you can respond, a sincere hope at this time of being admitted to the session. Um, and so I think the action is revealed this time as, as a true protest, which is by definition trying to draw attention away from um, the institutional uh, pr uh, organization and to a group that represents a minority uh, minority feeling. So, so for that reason I think it's important to both see the action this time around for what it is, which I believe is, is a true protest, and also see the, the letter as a specific response to that, that event, to that protest, and not a cease and desist or any sort of higher, um, higher request to stop thinking and to stop um, you, you know, advocating in some other methods. Uh, the statement does say that ordained women, if you do choose to descend on Temple Square, please uh, direct your messages to the free speech zone, the place where uh, traditional protesters who are anti-Mormon would be demonstrating as well. Um, Kate, you, that doesn't sit well with you. <laughs> Um, I just don't think we have anything in common with those people. Um, I've been to general conference. The people that are in the free speech zones are anti-Mormon, clearly. Um, you know, it's people with uh, posters of aborted fetuses and people who have, uh, you know, serious problems with the church existing as an institution, and that's clearly not us. Um, you know, I have a calling. I'm active in my ward. I served a mission. I got married in the temple. I, I really don't have anything in common with the people who are protesting the church. Um, so that characterization is, is just, I think, unfair um, and, and just disappointing. Um, but on, on the other hand, I think what the letter does demonstrate is that uh, at least at some level the church is willing to begin this dialogue. So that's really encouraging. Um, I think Nylon is right that, um, you know, it's, it doesn't say that we're going to be punished. It doesn't say that... Any leaders should target women who are participating in ordaining women. So that's just, I mean, that's just extremely, extremely hopeful, in my opinion. And I'm really glad to hear. I, you know, I would differ, obviously, with the characterization of what we're doing as a protest, as I have in the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, we're not protesters. We're people who want to participate in a meeting. And if we're permitted to attend the meeting, which I sincerely hope still happens, I mean, the, what's different than last time is that the church uh, is broadcasting the session live. So literally I can stand outside on the sidewalk and watch the session on my mobile device. 
simultaneously, but I'm not permitted to enter the building. And I think in so many ways, uh, there's so many more reasons for the church to let us participate and become full participants, to listen to the prophet in person, to participate with our leaders, to listen to the announcements. Um, so I think, honestly, anything could change. You know, the ninth article of faith said, uh, God will yet reveal many great and important things. And some of those important things could pertain to women, and I, I hope and pray that they do. Julie, we haven't heard from you yet. What are your impressions of the church statement that was issued this week? I think in some ways the reaction to it shows that it was a misstep. I think the emphasis on numbers, that is ordained women's numbers being small, was probably better left unsaid because I think the implication with that is if their numbers were larger, the church might listen to them or agree with them, and I don't think that's accurate. The letter also described ordained women's approach as non-negotiable. My understanding is that that's not correct either. If their goal is to see women ordained, but their goal in this case is to attend a meeting, it sounds to me that there is some negotiability there. I think the letter could have been handled in a better manner that wouldn't have inflamed passions on both sides quite as much. And I think one way to have done that might have been to point out that women frequently attend single gender events, whether that's the baby shower or a girls' night out, and they find benefit to those events, and we should respect the right of men to do the same. I just want to jump in to say that I, I concur. Um, ordained women doesn't take a position against single sex spaces. Um, and I think that, you know, for me, my participation in Relief Society is, is one of the best parts of Sunday worship. So I certainly wouldn't, like, disband the Relief Society. Um, I love the Relief Society. I think the, the focus on the priesthood session is not just because it's a, member, a meeting where men are, you know. The, the new meeting that they've created for women that will be happening um, is called the general women's meeting, but the priesthood meeting is for priesthood. It's not the general men's meeting. So, um, you know, it, it, the reason that we're focusing on the priesthood session is not because it's filled with men. It's because people that hold the priesthood of God, which is our aspiration, are expected to tend this meeting. So we want to demonstrate to not only the leaders of the church, but also the Lord, that we're ready not just for the blessings of the priesthood, because there are many, but we're also ready for the responsibilities of the priesthood, and one of those is attending the priesthood session. We're getting a lot of interaction. I just want to read a few comments that are coming in. Um, this from UT Rabble Rouser. Challenging institutions to change is the art of transforming the old to a new improved level. There's no better way than to add the essence of femininity to the old stuffy boring men's club. These courageous women should be given applause. Um, this from uh, AT 2008. Women who want action now can get Mormon priesthood from the community of Christ, the old reorganized LDS church. No need to wait. No need to give up the Book of Mormon. You even get the added benefit of a Mormon church that claims Joseph Smith repented of his polygamy. Um, I guess the, the question for those who are pushing ordination, if you don't like it, why stay? Uh, why, why do you want to remain a faithful Mormon? Kate Kelly? There's so many reasons that uh, there's no place for me anywhere else. I'm Mormon through and through. I believe that this is the church of God. And just because I think that the church should be a more inclusive place doesn't mean that I should lead it. For me, this is honestly and truly an investment in the gospel. It's a way for me to really engage in my faith 
And, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it a million times. I think this is a retention effort. I think women are leaving the church in droves because they can see inequality. Um, they can, they can uh, in the institutions they participate in, work and school and all of these other places in society, they are treated as equals. And when they go to church on Sunday, they are not. And that's happening more and more as younger women uh, are participating in, in the world around us. That's no longer uh, a place where gender inequality is acceptable. And so I see this, and, and many will disagree, and many will deride me, but I see this as, as a retention effort. I see this as us investing in an institution that we cherish, that we love, that we benefit from, that is us. You know, the church is its members, and we are members of the church. So we're not against the church. We are the church. Nyland, uh, is Mormonism a big tent? A big enough tent to, to have people who are talking about changing uh, essential church doctrine? I, I absolutely believe that it is. Uh, I think that there are scriptural um, there are scriptural examples of how these kinds of tensions have been resolved in New Testament days, and perhaps Julie can can speak to that better than I can. But you know, these these kind of cultural tensions are not unique to our time. Um, in in the New Testament days of of combining the Jewish and the Gentile communities, there was the Jerusalem Conference. There were examples of of Paul working through these kinds of issues, and of course, with the um, with the beginning of the church too, these kinds of issues were worked out. And I think that there is a a place and a scriptural um, precedent for working these things out. I Again, um, I, I don't see any successful uh, instance in the scriptures where um, such, such forward hubris was rewarded in the way that it was um, hoped to be rewarded. And I think one of the, one of the challenges here with this, this approach is not that it's, um, that it's trying to include everybody, but that in its approach, it actually excludes most of the church in, by saying, you haven't noticed this inequality, or this hasn't, this hasn't frustrated you before, you haven't done anything about this before, even if you have noticed it and you have frustra been frustrated by it. And so somehow you are lesser. You are, you are, you're not as attuned. You're not as willing to, um, to step forward as, as we are. And I think that, that us versus them is one of the things that people are responding to negatively about this approach. That's not to say that, you know, if, if, I, if, if the prophet did um, come out at conference, as Kate said, and say, we've, we've prayed about this and it is going to happen, that there wouldn't be a, a lot of us who, who would cheer or who would, who would be grateful for that continuing revelation. But I think that the idea of pointing out and saying, look, that you've lived a happy life in Mormonism, but you've actually been living under a fallacy um, is, is shaming and um, I think one of the reasons that people are responding negatively to this approach. Mm. Here's a tweet from Amy Cartwright. Are you open to the idea of parallel priesthoods? I guess that means one for men, one for women. Why or why not? Uh, this is an issue that you recently blogged about, Julie, just mm -hmm. looking at the historical uh, underpinnings of the priesthood decision when church founder Joseph Smith organized the Relief Society, which is the women's organization of the church. Uh, he, he called it, he used the word priests in, in that formation. Um, Julie, maybe you can expand on that whole idea of priesthood for women, maybe an all-women's priesthood? Sure. So, 
in the early weeks of the Relief Society, Joseph Smith addressed them and said that his intention was to turn the Relief Society into a kingdom of priests as in Enoch's day and as in Paul's day. And I don't know that many church members are familiar with that, but it's on the church's website in the Joseph Smith papers that that's indeed what he said. Um, as a side note, what's interesting about that is there's a new revelation there, and the revelation is that women were organized as a kingdom of priests in Enoch's day and in Paul's day. So oh, I think that's important to know that that's part of our heritage as Latter-day Saints, and that's part of the work that Joseph Smith restored. At the same time, he restored that as part of the Relief Society. It wasn't done mixed with the men. It wasn't a unisex priesthood. The women were being separately organized. So I think we have both aspects there in those words of Joseph Smith. And I also need to add, it's a brief statement recorded in notes. Of course, we wish we had a longer, drawn-out statement, a clearer explanation of what precisely he intended, but that's the bare bones that we do have. Hmm. Kay Kelly, I'm curious to, to see what you think about a, a parallel priesthood for women. Well, I'd just like to point out also in the minutes that um, there were ordination of uh, the early leaders in the Relief Society, and it was specifically, the word ordination was specifically used, and Emma Smith, um, it was said in the minutes, uh, did not need to be uh, ordained, she simply needed to be set apart because she had been previously ordained. So there was a distinction between setting them apart and ordaining them uh, in those minutes. And I agree um, with Julie that I wish we had a lot more about what was said uh, in that time, and I wish we had a, you know, uh, I wish they had done a Google chat. <laughs> um, where, where we could ask them questions. Um, but I think that's the beauty of Mormonism, you know? Honestly, it's one of the most precious doctrines that, uh, that you know, God, the heavens are, are open, that God still speaks to us, and that things can change, and that doctrines, precious doctrines, will yet be revealed. Um, so I, I'm just excited to see what those are. Um, you know, I, I disagree with Nylon uh, that the, the scriptures uh, are inconsistent with what we're doing now. I think it's completely consistent given the modern context. Uh, if you ask, uh, you, if you seek, if you knock, uh, we're promised in Matthew 7, 7 that doors will be opened. And what we are doing is asking. We're not asking through um, maybe the traditional methods. We're asking with our bodies. We're asking with our hearts. We're asking in person uh, that we be included, and people can disagree with the way that we're doing it. And I encourage and support all of the work that Mormon feminists are doing. You know, there's there's huge online communities um, where feminists are talking. You know, Nylon's project, the Mormon Women Project, is an amazing resource. And not only because it featured me, um, but also because there's a huge panoply of, of voices that are, that are in that collection. I mean, it's just priceless. And so I think whatever women are doing to, to speak up for themselves, to ask for what they want, whatever it is, even if it's not ordination, is honestly a step in the right direction. And getting to your question about the separate priesthoods, um, for me personally, um, it doesn't make sense to have separate but equal. Um, it doesn't make sense to have two tracks. My fear is that women would be relegated, for example, as they currently are in the church, to only administering over children uh, and other women. 
and that they wouldn't be given leadership roles um, in a separate track um, priesthood. If there is the power of God and we know that we have a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, then to me it stands to reason that there is one priesthood, that there's the power of God. So I hope um, and pray that uh, when the revelation is given that women will be ordained because I, you know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that it will happen, but if not, I will continue to serve the Lord. And, and I just hope for that day, and I hope it happens in my lifetime. Uh, May I jump in? Yes, please. So, while I'm not an ordained women supporter, there is a very interesting scriptural precedent here. The only time that we have a record of the Law of Moses being changed is a time when a group of women approached Moses and said, essentially, we don't think the, in the inheritance laws are fair because they disenfranchised women. Moses prayed about it, and the answer he received was, change the law and let them inherit. So that is a very interesting precedent in this discussion where I think it gets a little murky as we can't walk up to President Monson's tent and ask him to go pray about it, right? So then the Precisely. question becomes, what is, what is the method by which a righteous woman with a complaint about the law gets the prophet's ear? And I think that's where you find disagreement among Mormon feminists today. Hmm. I, I want to get to a couple other comments. Um, this from Rudler. I know many women in the church who don't support ordained women, my wife being one of them, my mother another, my daughters and daughters-in-law. Ordained women is not about service to others. There's ample work for anyone and everyone regardless of priesthood or not, male or female. Um, a similar sentiment, Razzle D writes, uh, without ordination, LDS women do more with their priesthood than some priests can do in other churches. They pray, they teach, they say the prayers in congregations, including general conference. Uh, so I, I guess this this uh, speaks to the point you were making, Nyland, earlier. That and it's a it's one that I've read on a lot of blogs in preparing for this program. Is that uh, Mormon women already feel many Mormon women already feel empowered um, and have a lot of hands-on opportunities already without the priesthood. Yeah, I think sometimes we, we, we trip over that word equal, and in our modern context, as, as Kate has referenced, equal is almost synonymous with the same. And as I've written elsewhere, um, not only have I experienced um, a, a, a sort of protected space for my development as a woman in my early years um, in young women's and now in Relief Society, but I also had 12 years of single-sex education. And so for me, this idea of... Um, allowing that protected space for women to practice um, their own power and develop their own voice is actually um, a, a, a very uh, uh, powerful uh, concept for me and it's actually a, a, a concept of great beauty. I guess I personally don't understand how we would um, solve administrative problems and, um, and maintain the beauty of that, uh, that that female space if we were to proceed with this same uh, equal ordination. Um, I think one of the things that the, the, the gospel asks us to do is to do things that may be out of line with what we understand um, our popular culture is saying is right. And in this case that is to ask ourselves, does equal have to be the same? Um, does n have to equal n? And in our mathematical modern minds we sometimes can't see any other way. Um, that for for things to be equal, if they are not 
the same. Um, and in many cases, things are not equal if they are not the same, because lived experience means that if one person has something, then another person has to be denied that thing. But that's not the way I believe God works. I believe that God works by, um, in, a, in a sort of, um, you know, a continuously expanding pie of opportunity and of, of privilege. And that is, it, that, that means that what we live under now is not wrong, it's just hard. Speaking of uh, the society's influence, this is a, a tweet from Zion Cynic. Church will only change on this issue when it appears desperately out of step with society at large, e.g. blacks in the priesthood. And of course, um, the Mormon Church did not allow uh, worthy black members, men, to, to be ordained to the priesthood until 1978. Uh, how, how much of this is, um, is, is being pushed by modern society and the cultural changes that come with that? Um, Kay Kelly. Well, unfortunately, uh, there are many uh, mainstream faith traditions that do not ordain women, including but not limited to Catholicism. Um, and, you know, I think that in, in, this, in this particular day and age, it's socially acceptable to have gender, uh, gender segregation and gender inequality within a faith tradition, but why should our church, why should our mosques, why should our cathedrals, why should our synagogues be the place, the last bastion of gender inequality in a society? It makes no sense. Um, churches should be on the forefront of including and magnifying and utilizing the talents of women. Um, and, you know, just because Nyland can't imagine what it would be like um, for Relief Society to still exist if we were priests, um, that doesn't mean that God can't make a way for that to happen. That doesn't mean that the, you know, the magnitude of the gospel can't encompass uh, a world where 100% as opposed to 50% of the population were able to uh, benefit and benefit others by using the priesthood. So I think in some ways the modern co context is actually quite a bit behind um, and the church could be an amazing leader in this, in this arena and because we believe in continuous revelation, because we believe uh, that the heavens are still open, uh, Mormonism is, can serve as a beacon to others. And uh, that's my hope, that's my prayer, that um, we, can, uh, we can truly uh, be included. And that doesn't mean that women have to be the same. They're just, they're never going to be the same. There are really fundamental, um, you know, uh, uh, biological differences between men and women, and that's incontrovertible. But I think the problem is uh, it's just, it's very easy to do mental gymnastics to say I feel equal I feel included I you know there's a there that's how I feel you know honestly um, growing up in the church there were a lot of ways in my mind I used to make it okay that men were leaders categorically and women were not categorically but I came to a point in my own personal journey where that was no longer something that I could accept and no longer something I could be silent on. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started ordaining women when I decided, you know what, I don't have a right to be, I don't, you know, I'm a lawyer, so uh, I'm, 
there's a concept in criminal law, which is you have a right to re remain silent. And I said, you know what, on this issue, I have no right to remain silent. I need to speak up because this is how I feel. It's not how every woman feels, but it's how I feel. And so I have no right to remain silent for women who are in a position, who, who are in a marriage or a family or a community where they can't speak these things. They can't because they'll be ostracized. They can't because they'll be punished. They can't because they'll be fired. Um, there are women like that, and there are women in ordained women who have lost their jobs, who have lost their callings, who have lost um, a lot to be part of this movement. And, and we just don't have the right to remain silent if this is how we feel. Hmm. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. I want to get to a, a couple other quick questions. First, how is the ordained women um, request, how, how is that affecting Mormon culture, uh, local congregations? Are they talking about women's issues in a different way uh, in the year or so since ordained women's been on the map? And Julia, I'd like to get your thoughts. Sure. So I can't say I've heard any discussion in my local congregation here in Texas, but in social media it's absolutely exploded. And I think it's quite frequent that people are having Facebook discussions about the activities of ordained women. And I have to say I find it largely disheartening. While I don't support ordained women, a lot of the response has been horrible, asking them to leave the church. I've heard comments about being burned at the stake and, and vitriol along those lines. And I, I don't know that we're being good Christians here in these discussions, but the discussion has certainly opened up. What's the disconnect? Why, why aren't you talking about it on Sunday mornings? That is I a great am. question. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Can I just, I'll just, I'll just say that, that living in Utah, I obviously um, am a, a, a public uh, repository for, for women's experiences because of the precedent set by the Mormon Women Project um, and, and also because of, of personal efforts that, that I've made to increase the visibility of women in local practices. So I receive just dozens if not hundreds of um, emails and conversations where people are reaching out to me telling me what's happening in their local wards and stakes and here even I live in Utah and I received a request from a seminary teacher uh, here locally in the Salt Lake Valley uh, just the other day saying we are we're baffled we're talking about this among our all-male faculty um, we're talking about this with the student the high school students in my school are coming to me asking me about all of these things that they see online and we don't know what to tell them will you please come and and just just give the lay of the land. There are many people in our, our local congregations who are not even sure why um, why women are feeling this way. And, and we've, we've uh, elucidated a number of the reasons here on this conversation. The, the transparency of our, of our Relief Society history that has only recently become um, transparent to us. The, uh, the lived experience of women out in their jobs and schools. But, but for people that are not familiar with this conversation and not as ingrained in it as, as we are, some of these things need to be pointed out and they think we need to say this is, this is why this conversation is happening and we welcome you to be a part of it and share your experience. I agree with Julie, the response has been horrific um, and, and I, you know, one of the things that I hope that we're modeling here and what I've tried to do throughout my entire time in this conversation is model um, a Christ-like, respectful conversation that makes our points very clear, but also is 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 understanding and, and respectful of the other point of view. And so, I would just add my plea to 
um, to all of us to, to bridge the conversations that are happening online with what we know is right and with what we're enacting in our Sunday experiences. The worldwide uh, meeting, the general conference of the Mormon Church is coming up uh, first weekend of April. I I'm curious what messaging about women and gender roles do you expect to hear in that, uh, that I guess, holy occasion for, for, for the faithful? Uh, Nyland? Well, I think we uh, heard some veiled responses during the last conference with a number of talks that specifically said, um, we don't know why things are the way they are. And I think those coupled with um, the letter from earlier this week are probably as close as we're going to get uh, in the near future to this direct response that, that Kate and her group would love to have of the prophet saying, look, I've, I've prayed about it and, you know, I don't know what the answer is or the answer is no now. Um, and, and I expect that we'll probably hear some more of that, that the, the language needs to be, of course, couched in a way that, you know, the millions of people around the world can get something out of it, and they're not talking to a very specific group. Um, so it may be a little bit more vague and, and, and couched in general language than we would, would like, but I do think that if we're listening for those, we will hear them, as, as, we, as I think we did last, last time as well. Not everybody was happy with what they heard last time, and we probably won't all be happy with what we hear this time, but that is the price that's, that we pay for being disciples. We, we are loyal to, to God and, and to our faith rather than to our pain. Julie, uh, your thoughts on that? You know what? I'm sorry. I lost my connection for a minute and just came back in. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just wondering uh, what the messaging for, for women and for gender roles will be. What do you think you're going to hear from your church leaders during general conference in a couple weeks? Well, if the October conference is any indication, there will be a lot of addresses that address it. Um, it seems to me the emphasis has been on a couple things. One is re-emphasis of the importance of motherhood, um, and then maybe also just an emphasis on doctrine as well, general concepts of doctrine and the sanctity of womanhood. So those seem like the themes that have been emphasized last October that might be again. I would also really hope again because of the vitriol I've seen in conversations that there's some general reminders about disagreeing but not being disagreeable. And uh, Kate Kelly, what do you think? Well, I would welcome uh, a talk about disagreeing but not being disagreeable. Um, I think, you know, if you look at the Ordained Women website, um, if you look at ordainedwomen.org, you can see over 250 people who explicitly pour out their hearts in a very sincere and heartfelt way. If you disagree, that's one thing. Um, but uh, it's another to impugn their character. It's another to call them names or tell them to leave the church. Um, that's just disappointing and unhelpful. Um, I, I think that we have been extremely respectful. I think we have conducted um, every action. If you watch the videos online about what happened in October, um, we very reverently and respectfully treated what we consider to be holy ground, which is Temple Square, um, and we and we just asked. We asked a question: Can we go in? Um, can we be included? Can we participate as equals in this meeting? And I think in the scriptures it's very clear uh, that questions are very important. In a church that was founded by a 14-year-old boy who asked a question to God, I think that questions uh, should always have 
uh, a very, very, not only tolerable place, but they should be central to what we're doing as Mormons. Um, I think that we'll hear more about women's roles, and I, and I hope those talks come from women. Uh, we have leaders in the church who are women. Uh, they recently put their portraits up. That made the Salt Lake Tribune. They put some portraits of women up in Conference Center. Um, so we're trying to put that, push them to the forefront, and we're expecting more and more from them. So I hope we hear from those women. And, you know, like Elder Anders Anderson said in the past conference, we simply don't know why women don't have the priesthood. And uh, that, to me, indicates that things can change. Uh, and the most most exciting and most encouraging thing I heard in the last conference was Elder Uchtdorf's talk, where he said people with questions, people who have concerns, uh, there is a place for you in the church. And, you know, I just hope that there is a place for all of us in this gospel. And, and I also obviously hope that that includes a place for us and a seat for us in the priesthood session. Um, so you've been asked not to come to Temple Square. Uh, will you still show up on April 5th? Okay. We are going to continue as planned. Um, we, you know, the letter said that they hope we reconsider, uh, and we extended the invitation to them to reconsider, to let us in, to let us participate. Don't make us go back to the park and shiver while we're watching the session on our cell phones, which is what we did in October. Um, it, it, it would be no concession, no doctrine would have to change, no, um, no one would even have to issue any statement just to let us in, um, to let us participate, and let us demonstrate to our leaders that we're ready to receive the priesthood of God. You've been very generous with your time. I think we could continue to talk all day, but we're going to have to leave it there. Kate Kelly, Julian Smith, and Nyland McBain, thank you all very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. And hope we can do it again. More coverage of Mormons, other faith traditions, all of that religion coverage on our website, sltrib.com. I'm Jennifer Napier-Pierce with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thanks for tuning in to Trib Talk today. We'll see you next time.